Mm-hmm. All right. Do you want to? All right. Let's do it. Let's do it, Chris. Yeah, let's do it. You get you get three takes. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Exo Squad Goals, a, cart- <laughs> a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. And action. <laughs> hey, everybody! Welcome to Exo Squad Goals. A podcast where three grown-ass men talk about a children's cartoon called Exo Squad. I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Harnity. And I'm Ryan Harnity. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Chris Ferentino. Hello, and welcome everybody to Exo Squad Goals. Hey guys, so to begin with, since this is the first time we've ever recorded this, ever, let's talk about for a second, like, what is Exo Squad? Because, like, this is a cartoon that probably no one's ever seen and this is a podcast that no one's ever heard or it will hear um what like what is it it's well it was a cartoon in the 90s it was like an american anime thing it was by universal studios and it ran for basically a year i know i used to watch it after school after like animaniacs so that was like my thing it'd be like super funny then like people get just getting crazily blown up in the sci-fi thing What's it mean to like you guys, you know? Yeah, so I actually got into it, uh, funny story, uh, we were living with my grandparents at the time, and as a little kid, I would uh, wake up in the middle of the night and like, from nightmares, and like go hang out with my grandma who was up, and we would watch like Nick and Night and like different shows, but she would always let me watch Exo Squad, because it was on at like four o'clock in the morning on the, the Fox affiliate. So <laughs> my grandparents like didn't want, they would let me watch it in their room uh, when my parents didn't, so I thought that was pretty solid. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I totally got into it like after school. Um it just it's it's just it's fascinating it's a cartoon show because it's it's incredibly complicated and rich and layered and detailed and gets into so many really profound topics. Um and it's sort of, you know, it's sort of allegorical for World War II and like the, you know, reconstruction period in American history and when you're, you know, in 8th grade or so, or whatever, middle school, whatever, whatever year it was. Probably, it's actually, which is weird, sorry, this is a divergence, but it aired from 93 to 94, so I would have been in third third grade, fourth grade. That was the first one, then it was on, like, syndication for almost like a decade, you know, so. Yeah, so I must, I must have seen it in syndication, and it really sort of touched on a lot of really interesting themes, and unlike a lot of cartoons that you watch, like, it really kind of delves deeply into things like, you know, racism and prejudice, war, you know, war themes that's the big thing too is that it's it's got this like really really heavy shit going on right where it's like the basic premise and we'll get into it in a minute it's like a genetically bred race of slave people rise up get put down brutally then they do it again later later. and they're the bad guys something that complex probably went over the head of a lot of like seven-year-olds when it first aired right but it sort of exists it exists in this in this sort of moral gray area um, where the people you're rooting for, are, you know, you kind of feel morally complicated about that. And uh, the good guys aren't all good and the bad guys aren't all bad. And I think it's a really a much more, um, you know, when you're young and you're coming home from school and you you don't have a ton of friends, like this is sort of a world you can kind of get lost in. And, you know, it really captures the imagination, as John Hammond would say. Now back to Exo Squad. Now that we've kind of talked about a little bit of like what the show was and like, I mean, it was it was like such a crazy thing because like when you think when you're a kid, I watched Animaniacs and that's like the silliest show you could think of. And then you go to a show right after it that's like, like you said, World War II show that talks about racism, has some like crazy gender stuff and people like legit get killed. 
which was not done in American cartoons in the 90s. Yeah, like eje- like uh, up until Exosquad, ejector seats in cartoons worked 100% of the time. Like everyone always ejected. Right, it was the first, it was, you know, cartoons were safe places and this was like, you know, a much more dark world that was not safe and, and you never knew who was going to live and, and die each episode. So that was very, kind of very different and very... Yeah, cool. it's it's kind of interesting to see that, like, for our generation, like, a lot of the TV shows that you know, were a touchstone for us were, like, Battlestar Galactica and things like that, where it has that same dynamic where you're not sure who's going to live, who's going to die. And, you know, as a kid, you see that sort of seed being planted in a show like this where it, there was nothing safe about it, you know, especially in the, this first season where you're like, who's a main character? I don't know. So let's talk about this first episode, because, you know, you figure with a lot of shows, the first episode is where you really, I mean, you got to set the stage and build it. You think it's going to be this crazy action-packed thing and this kind of isn't. It's really, you know, there's I mean a lot that happens in it and I, there's a lot that doesn't happen in it. Um so, you know, what's really important to know is that this is a serialized cartoon show. So it's it's telling one story over 52 episodes, which is, you know, in itself a very cool format. It's not, you know, like Animaniacs, which every episode was sort of different and nothing changed really between episodes, but you could pick up anywhere in the season. This has had a linear progression to it, which I think is yeah, pretty cool. It, uh, it reminded me a lot of, I was talking to someone about Netflix, about like Netflix and uh, like Hulu culture. And it's like now, like I'll put in like four or five episodes before deciding a show isn't for me. Whereas like in when I was a kid and TV was just on, like if I watched one bad episode, like I was just done. And it's interesting to see that they did a show where the pilot is like almost all like setting up the story. Like there's no there really isn't that much like action in uh, in the beginning of uh, the first in the first episode. Yeah. So for those people who haven't seen it. um, (laughs) So so everyone. Why are you listening to this podcast? Why are you listening to this podcast? Yeah, your children need you. Hey, mom. Because you know it. Um, so it's a, it's this it's a cartoon space opera that takes place in the 22nd century. So it's in the future, and in the future, humans have kind of terraformed Venus and made it into this beautiful farming planet, and tried to terraform Mars and have made it into a mining planet. And the environment on Mars is so harsh that the only way to kind of colonize it was to <laughs> very smartly breed a race of creatures called Neo Sapiens, which are just like people, but they're bigger, stronger, smarter. They have two thumbs on their hands. They're blue or purple. They, they're, they're just better in every way. And so humans had the idea to enslave Neo Sapiens and make them work in the environment of Mars. A race of workers bred to thrive in these harsh climates sought to overthrow their human masters. Of course, the Neo Sapiens revolt, and there's a big fight between the humans and the neo sapiens and the humans win the fight because they've invented e-frames or exoframes which are these big metal contraptions you wear around your body and they put down the rebellion and the show the the show takes place 50 years after this and we're all introduced to all of this in this tremendous news broadcast by intrepid reporter charles mckenna (laughs) who is just one of the (laughs) most hated characters literally the the first time they introduce him it's like he does his report, then it's like, ugh, that guy's the worst. This is Charles McKenna. Ah, can't stand that guy. Yeah, and that's how it opens. So there's a whole lot of history there, and that history kind of gets played out through every episode of the show, because there's a deep-seated resentment between humans and Neo-Sapiens. Neo-Sapiens are having been enslaved by the people, and the people for being really kind of annoyed that <laughs> the Neo-Sapiens decided they wanted to be free. So, again, that's where the, all of this 
complications. And this exists. is what the first two minutes of the episode. They just dump all yeah, this so, on you as a so, kid. So, yeah, this broadcast is this sort of backstory is revealed to be a broadcast by Charles McKenna. It's being watched on this sp- long distance space freighter that's going into deep space, and they're not going to see anybody for four days. And they're watching this news broadcast. The okay, so with the freighter, what, what's the? Do you know the name of the thing? It has like some crazy name. Um, it, it's like the uh, the Danube or something. Yeah, yeah, the Danube. You have these two guys, and they're like. Hey, we're going to be alone for three days. So what's the other guy do? Just pops on his space porn, which is like a Game Boy that's projecting a dancing girl. And again, cartoon for kids. Guy's just totally looking at a space porn girl that's like playing the Mario Brothers like dungeon music. <laughs> then the pirates attack. And it gets fucking nuts. Yeah, yeah so there's this... There's this... <laughs> There's this pirate. There's this pirate attack, and we kind of leave off there, where we made. And then we made our our heroes, the Exo Squad, which are sort of the main characters. Who are what's their their company name? They're Ryan? the uh, Flight One Able Squad. Yeah, so they're like the best of the best pilots of these. You know, now second generation Exo Frames, which are these you know mechanical spacesuits that they fly around. So we meet them joyriding through the canyons of Mars, and there's so there's J.T. Marsh, who's the captain of the group, yeah. uh, Rita Torres, who's the sergeant, Alec De Leon, who's he's the like the intelligence Intel guy, operator. yeah, yeah, Maggie Weston, who's the tech officer, Wolf Bronski, who is the big lumbering <laughs> kind of drunk yeah. veteran of the group Kastikagi who's the the uh the rookie ace pilot there's Nara Burns who's this you know this kind of sweet-faced innocent character and her partner Marsala and they're the only two who are in a two-seater and everyone else is in these one-seater uh, mm-hmm. aircraft and they're kind of joyriding around and they go back to their ship and they get scolded for joyriding when the call comes in that this space freighter is in trouble so then they they get on a shuttle ship and go to the space freighter. Lieutenant Marsh, you'll take your squad in a boarding shuttle as a search and rescue party. I want that ship secured ASAP. So then they go off and they, they find this space freighter, which has been damaged, and they and there's a work crew that's going to come and salvage the ship. And they get on, they see that everyone's dead on the ship. Everyone's been killed. <laughs> and they, they there's a recording and they find out that it's pirates who... who killed everybody and somewhere in the distance there's a stirring and the guy that was watching the porn video game is kind of alive so Takagi goes over to help him and sets off a booby trap and the whole thing's gonna blow up in classic space opera tradition in you know 10 seconds so they they have some amount of time they get off the ship they bolt it out of there the space they can't contact the space freighter because the the connection's down so they go across its bow and it finally turns the shuttle blows up and the blast of the shuttle kills everybody on the space freighter so we're two minutes in five minutes in the cartoon and we've had seven to ten people are dead just straight up dead and then the exo squad goes back charles mckenna shows up charles mckenna hbc news he's like why did everyone die <laughs> i was told it was your squad's action aboard the danube that started this war i would have said it was the pirates action that started it That's what I'm here for, your side of the story. I understand it was one of your men who cost that work crew their lives. He's he's investigating, you know, there's people people want answers, like how did the Exo Squad, this elite group, uh, cause this accident that killed these people? It turns out it was the pirates. The space UN gets together. There's, you know, the very effeminine man who doesn't want to go to war. <laughs> then there's like the very masculine people who do want to go to war, led by Phaeton, who is the governor, who's the neo-sapien governor of Mars. 
Wait! Has anyone forgotten what war is like? I say negotiate with these people! Mr. Secretary General, may I be heard? Let the fleets be gathered into a great armada, then sent to root out and destroy the pirate scourge once and for all. Yes, send in the exo-fleet! It's time they earn their keep! And they fly out with these huge armada of ships to go destroy the pirates. They're out in deep space. The pirates are cloaked, and that's like their thing. And they uncloak and attack all the exo-carriers and the all of our good guys, and that's sort of where the episode uh, stops. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed yeah, it! Is that what happened? Yeah, I'm that's... I'm pretty sure. I blacked out there. What happened? Yeah, you went to a fugue state and suddenly you woke up on Mars. Yeah. So and, that's, that's the longest I'm ever going to do, because I think there's a lot of backstory, but that's... Yeah, no, and especially, like, I mean, that's one where it's just... You know, like, this again, this is our first episode, so it's like, once we get through this, now it's we can actually talk about the episode because holy crap there's a lot that goes on in this thing yeah you did also go through like 300 years of human history in like 10 minutes so that's pretty cool like i'm down with that yeah you would have been a great ap history teacher boom so um yeah what do you what did you guys think of this episode what what did you what what did you like so about it? i watched it uh in two minds uh one is like as an adult watching it, and then one is like remembering it watching it as a kid. So I liked. Um, I think it sets up the plot really well, and I think it. I think it does a really good job of like establishing what this world looks like and how it works on a per, on like a a child level, like or thirty two year old man level. Um, <laughs> they don't do. They give you like on, they only give you two really good like here are the toys you can have your parents buy scenes which is like when they're heading to Olympus Mons and then when they all land you're like because they land like in toy order which is pretty which uh, as a kid I was like well that's convenient and it uh, it did have Charles McKenna and his like weird overly invasive camera bot. Uh, who are two of my favorite characters in the series and, like, in animation. My friends call me Charlie. Well, McKenna, what are you looking for in our mess hall? Yeah, so if, if you want to think of Charles McKenna, think of, like, in Ninja Turtles, how, like, April O'Neil was, like, super loved and a key part of the team, and her news reports would, like, you know, if there was something going on, they could get help, they could do all this stuff. Charles McKenna's, like, the polar opposite of that in every single way. Can I say that I love that your reference for a news reporter is not a real news reporter, but a cartoon news reporter? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not like think of Anderson Cooper or Dan Rather. It's like no, think yeah, <laughs> yeah. April O'Neil. Yeah. <laughs> he, he Who's he, the best news reporter? <laughs> he, he he has like an Anderson Cooper vibe with like a Piers Morgan level of charisma. It's like a really interesting <laughs> character. Yeah, he's this—he's this investigative journalist that nobody seems to have invited, <laughs> and is constantly interrogating the EXO fleet, which is a very cool thing. That there's this media aspect to the this, this war that's going to be happening, um, and also that that in the future nobody likes reporters. Just by that thing alone, you get the sense like there's a much bigger world than like the EXO carrier Resolute is in this asteroid field. It's like no, there are people at home that are going to be watching this news report and knowing how the war is going. And like Nara Burns sends a video postcard back to her family being like, hey, we're deploying, you know, I miss you guys, nothing's more beautiful than home, I might not survive. And you're like, wow, they're like stakes. They're people that care about this person that are going to be seeing this on the news and being like, oh my god, what's going on? What do you, what do you think of Nara Burns? Like, what, I feel like she becomes a, one of the more interesting characters throughout the show. What are your, what's your thoughts? She's kind of like 
a 15 year old that is in the army like she has a teddy bear um everything about her is like super young like she's the innocent one you know what i mean especially at first and uh actually always kind of it's like everyone represents a certain kind of trope right yeah. they're sort of i always i always thought of her because she's also a loot like one thing they say they harp on a couple times that she's also a lieutenant i i always thought she like went to college and like went to like exofleet rotc to pay for it so she like didn't really sign up because they mentioned a couple times that the military's not in use like the military is an artifact of the past so like she signed up not expecting anything to happen and then once the whole fleet starts up She's like suddenly in this extremely rough situation that like she didn't that she wasn't prepared for, which I think is great when she she kind of becomes one of the more interesting POV characters because she, as as we'll see later on, like she has a lot to lose, like personally in the war. Well, we're 700 million miles from Venus, so it'll take over an hour for this videogram to get to you. And by that time, I may be, well, I'll I'll be in action. I just wanted you all to know how much I miss you and our farm. I, I know you didn't want me to join the Exo Fleet, but it's given me a chance to travel all over the solar system. I've seen things I never would have seen, learned things I never would have known, and now I know there's nothing more beautiful than the sun when it breaks through the clouds of Venus. And also, I mean, she's paired with... Uh... So her co-pilot, Masala, is... Uh... He's an Neosapien, and he's, like, one of the few... In... Like, there's, like, a nurse, maybe... He's like one of two in the Exo fleet, and you know you see a lot of times there's a lot of tension that goes goes on. Like when they're uh, when they're joy riding through Mars, they're like, oh, the Sapes don't like it here, and they show up and they're like they're hostile. They they're trespassing. They get shot at. You know, it's not like everyone's happy about you know this whole relationship still, and it's been 50 years. That's a really, I mean, there's two really important things there, which are that Marsala is a Neo Sapien who's joined the Exo fleet. So there's you know, instantly there's this, is he betraying his side? How do they feel about it? And then you're right, like there is, there's not only tension between humans and Neo-Sapiens, there's tension between people and the Exofleet. Like the, the populace does not seem to like the Exofleet. They seem to be, as Ryan said, like an artifact of the past where, you know, they're fat and lazy and there's been no wars. Like this is a, a golden age for mankind is how the episode begins. The earth knew no hunger. No want. So, so people resent them. The, the Neo-Sapiens and the humans don't like each other. You know, and here we have this sort of, you know, exo-fleet with a Neo-Sapien, and everyone's kind of comes from these different backgrounds. Like, Bronski is this character who doesn't really necessarily have a lot of complication in him. I think what you said about Nera is so interesting about her being, like, the one who went to college, who's, who's both innocent but also probably the smartest one and probably for whom she has the most to lose and has, you know, the most complicated feelings about all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, she, she seems to be the most, like, introspective, too. Like, aside from, like, occasional scenes, like, whenever they need someone to question reality or question, like, the war, it's almost always Nara who does it. And then JT is the guy who, like, provides, like, the, the context. Yeah, and, like, can we just talk about Bronski for a second? Literally all of the time. He, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I, yeah, but before this before this starts, I should say a disclaimer. Uh, Wolf Bronski is my favorite character in the history of animation. So, uh <laughs> It might might be might be a little biased, but he rules. Okay, people, fall in. Come on, move it. Can the chatter and get in line. Lieutenant Marsh has a few words. Thank you, Sergeant. Stand easy, troopers. Thanks, JT. 
he's great. He's this like everyone else in the squad is wearing this really form fitting flight suit armor things. They have abs, shoulder pads. They look like they could handle themselves in a fight. And Bronsky's this like he's redheaded, right? Kind of red. Yeah, brown. It, yeah. He has like he has like auburn hair and like yeah. a permanent like ten o'clock shadow. And he's like wearing a leather jacket and he's fucking like fat and gross and a slob and he loves fighting. He loves killing people and drinking and that's it. And this episode has one of my favorite lines, which is when they're like getting ready to attack the freighter. Uh, JT Marsh is like, stay tight. Like things might get nasty in there. And then Bronski's like, nothing nastier than Wolf Bronski. And then burps inside his spacesuit. At the ready, Wolf. I don't want to be surprised by anything nasty on the other side. Uh, ain't nothing nastier than Wolf Bronski. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> like, not in the air. Like, he has a helmet on and just, like, rips it. And also, his exo-frame, a lot of them are, like, kind of articulated and have, like, are, it's just two giant Gatling guns attached to, like, a torso. Yeah. And, yeah, it rules. And, it's uh, like, he's, he's the tank, you know? Yeah. Like, he is the giant Literally, his, his exo-frame is, like, if you took three barrels and stuck them together, then put legs on it, that's him. <laughs> you kind of half expect there to, them to be kegs and it to be like Bronski take the shot Bronski and he's like well, I can't I've got kegs I'm yeah. just, I'm, and I've been drinking yeah, from sorry them. JT I gotta empty these kegs and then <laughs> him, and, him and JT have some good moments together though like a couple times because they're like the older hands because they, they, they say a couple times that he's like the oldest trooper in the fleet so he's uh I always like to think that he's, like, seen things. That, like, he's not just like that. Yeah. He's, he's seen the bottom of a glass a couple of times. So, yeah, and then JT's, like, this career officer who's been, I don't know. Yeah. He's, he's spent his whole life in the EXO fleet. He's going, to, he's going to become Admiral Winfield, who is the head of the EXO fleet. That's, like, his trajectory. Like, I don't think Nara's going to stay. You know, it's not for her in the long run. And Bronsky's, like, a lifer, but we'll probably have to resign <laughs> due to drunkenness due to war crimes done in a drunken haze but you have like he's lieutenant he's lieutenant dan yeah, yeah. the uh, the other three are like you know maggie weston and uh rita torres are like no nonsense you know they're very professional same with Delion. like they're you know he's like the intelligence guy and he's just like he doesn't say much except you know he'll be like his job is just to announce when the bad guys show up half the time there are some badass ladies in this show, I should say. Oh, that. hell yeah. Um, oh, hell and I think if you're like the way gender is represented in the show is very, I think, progressive for its time, but also probably any time. Like, I, I don't know. Like, what do you guys make of Torres and Weston? Kind of as a counterpoint to Nara. Well, in a also, way. like, uh, Torres is as unprofessional as Bronski is. Torres is just like on point. All I mean, is, is it her or is it Weston that has her exoframe kind of looks like Ripley's exoskeleton and Alien? Uh, that, that's West. Yeah, West that's Maggie's. She's the yeah. mechanic. Torres has a laser sword oh, that's on right. her exo yeah. frame that she has to like punch spaceships with. <laughs> like she can't. Like Bronski st- stands in the back and shoots off his Gatling guns, and she has to go up and like right in your face and punch you in the head with the, her laser sword. Yeah, which is yeah. kind of badass. I don't know. No, how she, Torres do. is like unreal. How badass she is. You know, her her right arm is like a giant cannon. Her left arm has like a giant laser sword. That's a no nonsense E frame right there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
Yeah, like they're almost andro- androgynous in a way. I don't know. Like everybody's haircuts are all yeah. incredibly yeah. futuristic. Can we, <laughs> can we talk about the hair for a second? Yeah. <laughs> sure. so, so everyone has the same hair in the future, guys, and it's all a uh, a high and tight with like with like vanilla ice stripes in the back. <laughs> <laughs> well, like part of your hair will be shaved. Part of oh, your yeah. head will be shaved. It didn't. It doesn't matter. I don't know. Everyone depends on who they are. We meet a, a bartender later, but like there's everyone's got some sort of long and short yeah going it's on. when they're lined up because they get chewed out by uh what's his name the, the captain uh uh captain marcus captain who we have who we have to talk about yeah that okay. guy rock that guy is so high t like <laughs> <laughs> lieutenant marsh how good of you and lieutenant burns to join us sorry sir when the alarm came i was leading my squad in some flight exercises oh really you know the standing orders against joyriding. The Neo-Sapiens don't appreciate it. Just who authorized this flight? Actually, Captain Marcus, I did. Okay, so we got the two commanders of the fleet, are Captain Marcus and Admiral Winfield. And Winfield is very much like, you know, he's the old steady hand. He knows what to do when he's seen it all. And Marcus is this, like, southern... <laughs> What do you call him, Chris? Like he's a southern gentleman fighter. He's, yeah, he's like an, he's, <laughs> he's got this. He's very uh, ready to go fight. He's like Orlando Bloom in any movie. He's like really <laughs> eager to go and and fight. And you know, Winfield's probably more like a man of letters. And Marcus just has this thing about him, which is like this kind of southern, <laughs> this southern gentleman's accent that's got a little bit of an Alabama drawl lisp to it. <laughs> And he's, you know, so when the pirates attack, he's like, we've got to destroy the pirates. Mm. <laughs> but, he, you know, <laughs> he also works for the Exo fleet, but appears to hate Exo frames. Like every time they're like getting ready to go, he's like, we should just use the fleet. Just a big ship. Oh, all vessels, hold defensive formation. Captain, launch the E frames. They'll just get in the way of our field of fire. But they're called exo carriers. He's like, shut out, shut down the E frames. We just need the exo fleet. And then Captain Marcus, who's like the, or Admiral Winfield, who's like the cool dad that like lets you get drunk in the house as long as you're being safe, is like, <laughs> no, no, launch the E frames too. Which, when you watch the show, like, one E-frame blows up, like, six carriers. Like, it's crazy. Marcus Marcus has no... He missed the strategy part of war college, yeah. you know? <laughs> it's like, we should go around the sides. Like, I think we should go right up the middle. <laughs> They've left... It seems that they have not been defending the middle. Yeah. We should attack the middle. <laughs> and then they go up the middle and they, every time, and they're like, I don't know what happened. It was the E-frame's <laughs> fault. He's very quick to <laughs> blame everybody else. He's, and he's always, like, wrong he always uh sucks up to admiral winfield who always just like lets it go like it's like winfield's never in the room until the last minute and then winfield shows up but yeah oh winfield i didn't know you were here (laughs) i love the idea too that like the one guy who hates e-frames and the whole fleet is the guy who seems directly in charge of them all the time it's just like (laughs) why who who thought of this who put this guy in charge this is a bad idea everyone's dead marcus yeah well they cheated so (laughs) not not my fault. <laughs> he he also seems to love Admiral Winfield, but always disobeys him every single time. Admiral Winfield's like, all right, get get the E-frames ready to launch. And he's like, great. And then when Admiral Winfield's away, he's like, shut down the E-frames. <laughs> uh, but he's always up in JT Marsh's face. He's mad all of the time. He's the man. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's <laughs> awesome. He's like one of the best. He is just so great and just like you know you just see him sipping a mint julep 
reading books about like battleships and being like, this is the way of the future. <laughs> and it's just like, nope, not quite. It's well, like Winfield is like, I don't know. It's like Robert E. Lee and Marcus is like any drunk Southern <laughs> <laughs> guy who joined the Confederacy. It was like, I'm going to go kill me some union men. Where are they? <laughs> Forward, attack, stab. <laughs> who are you? You know, and he's like, no, no, we got to. No, let's think about this for a minute. We're in space. Yeah. We, can't, we can't just do what you want to do. One thing that's time. crazy about this episode, too, is that, like, it's pretty clear if you, like, if you were listening to this episode, I don't know how you got here, but you just take the extra step and watch an episode. And then within two seconds, you'll figure out that the Neo-Sapiens are the bad guys. It's pretty obvious. But they're not, like, talked about that much, aside from, like, the news report and Phaeton is like, yes, let's go to war. The pirates are the bad guys in this. That's a really interesting thing. As, like, a kid, you're, like, watching this show, you've probably seen some commercials, there's some guy named Simbaka with crazy facial hair and an awesome accent. We must hit them while they are vulnerable. Signal the clans. Prepare to break from clogging mode and attack on my command. Take no prisoners. And it's like, oh, he—he's the villain. Like, I don't—I don't get this. Oh yeah, like we know the pirates are the pirates because they have facial hair. The exo, the exo fleet does not have <laughs> facial hair. The pirates have get so they get all the crazy facial hair. And I love their their belt buckles are like just giant skulls and crossbones. <laughs> yeah, they took being pirates like too seriously. Yeah, like, guys, we're pirates, so get all the piratey stuff. It's like it's space. It's a clean. <laughs> they seem to be like wearing pirate like Halloween costumes, but with jumpsuits. Like everyone is like they're like Peter Pan pirates, and they say "r" and like. It's, yeah, that's how they became pirates. Is that they raided a pirate Halloween? Store. <laughs> <laughs> they were ju- they were just like outcasts before that. Ah, oh, we're the outcasts. We need an identity. Oh, let's raid the Halloween store. In it's space. a golden age for mankind. Costume parties have spread throughout the solar system. <laughs> People dressed like slutty nurses throughout the asteroid belt. You know everything's good because everyone's drinking cocktails outside. Oh the yeah, beginning. there's some. I mean, there's some good smaller parts. That the that the people on Mars, the humans on Mars, <laughs> were wearing like cutoff shorts and no shirts, and that's how you that's how you farm Mars is like in your it's, cutoffs. It's a very it's a very nineties like idealized vision of the future. Wait, can we like, talk about one thing real quick? They bred the Neo Sapiens to work on Mars because it was too brutal for humans. Yet half the humans you see on Mars are like in surfer gear. Yeah. Well, I feel like, like I feel like later on later on you see the humans have to wear like respirators and they can't stay outside very long but yeah watching this one it struck me that like yeah the humans are just like wearing like boots and cutoffs and like you know sneaking kisses yeah space daisy dukes <laughs> exactly um but it's it's, a, it's an interesting vision of the future of of the things that destroy our utopia are the same things that always have right they're other people yeah <laughs> it's, it's it's you know it's it's prejudice it's racism it's it's otherness Th- those you know, it's people not being able to get along. Oh, with for real. Care. You know, we, we talked for a bit about this this episode, but, uh, you know, I think we should probably start to wrap it up a little bit. Watching this episode, who who would you say is your, like, your MVP of the episode? Uh, I'm I'm going to give it to... I'm going to give it to Charles McKenna, because he sets the whole thing up. And he does the mechanic of him, like, he, like, is all up in there. Uh, oh, the other thing, too, is he appears to have, like, top secret access but everyone is always mad when he shows up like (laughs) like he walks right up to to maggie and is like hey what's going on and she's just like shut the fuck up i am 
I am busy doing that cartoon thing where you just weld it, like, you're just pointing a blowtorch at something, and that's, like, fixing something. Yeah, so I'm going to give it to McKenna. I'm down with that one. I, I agree. He's, like, he's everyone's least favorite guy, but he's so important for the plot and setting things up. I have two quick ones. One is, one is De Leon, because there's a point in which he's, like, doing cartwheels and pretending to shoot his gun, and uh, Takagi and Bronski are watching him, and Takagi goes, Hey, Bronski, check out those moves! Wow, check those moves, Bronski! Big deal. Some guys need to practice. <laughs> and all he's just doing are these, like, one-handed cartwheels. <laughs> and then my second, my, my favorite character, probably in the whole show, is the guy that works for Simbaka, the, who's the head pirate, but there's like Sabaka just stands in the back, and then there's the guy that works the controls of the spaceship, <laughs> who's got this little pencil thin mustache, who's always trying to like, I can't do it, Sabaka. I'm trying. I'm trying. You know, he's the guy who Sabaka's always yelling at. Admiral Simbaka, the enemy fleet has slowed to navigate the asteroids. Our cloaking shields are all operational. They cannot see us. Is there is there a shot in the show where Simbaka doesn't have his like hands on his hips, like arms out, posing? Like, I feel like he's always doing that shit. And that guy is, like you said, he's like, no, Sambaka, there are too many of them. We must leave now. He's like the Sulu uh, yeah. checkoff character. And he's just always, I don't know, he's my, he's my all-time favorite character in the show. Uh, before we go, though, I do have to shout out one extra guy, uh, one runner-up. So, like, when they're, I want to shout out the guy uh, when they're in the Space UN and they're discussing like uh, what to do about the what to do about the about the pirates. The one weenie guy's like, no, we should negotiate. What, what, wait, negotiate. And then when Phaeton <laughs> talks about like fighting, the one dude just slams his fist on the table. Which like in cartoons, weenies negotiate. Men slam fists on tables. Also, uh, and my uh, double runner up to the. I do. We were talking gender earlier. I believe the lady who runs the space UN is a is a is a woman too. Oh yeah, no definitely. Yeah, there's yeah. like a uh, one of the really interesting things about this is like traditional gender roles are seem like a thing of the past. You know what I mean? Where it's like everyone's seen seen as equals in ability and role, which is like awesome. Totally. Yeah, the second command like Nara is a lieutenant, and the second in command is is uh, Rita. So who has a knife on her arm? Straight up laser <laughs> knife. Yeah. Well, guys, you know, the second episode in the show is called The Seeds of Deception, which uh, that'll hopefully be up in a week. Uh, and if you want to advertise with Exosquad Goals, uh, send an email to ryan.harnady at gmail.com uh, with your PayPal information, and I'll just uh, bill you from there. Actually, uh, this is how legit we are, guys. We have the Gmail address, exosquadgoals at gmail.com. So, oh, that's awesome. Which will be, which will be checked. Once, once uh, don't send any important emails there or anything that makes me feel bad about myself. So yeah, just praise. We are three grown men commenting on a cartoon show, so like, awesome. Uh, <laughs> let's call it an episode. <laughs> we have 52 of these to do. Yeah. Okay, so for Exo Squad Gold, I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Chris Mastalone. You got any heroes in this company? No, sir. No, sir. Woo! We'll, uh, we'll, we'll sync that up later. Yeah, <laughs> optics item phones. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and and make me sound like uh, John Claude Van Damme in both ways. No, I'm, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put the Captain Marcus filter on all of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> See you next time with the wall. <laughs>
I didn't get into the Exo fleet to work on Exo Frame. <laughs> <laughs> I get the E frame, I get the Exo Carrier, but. Because, like, the Exo thing's got only go so far, right? I assume there are ships that don't have uh, Exo in the name. I hope so. These are my Exo glasses. <laughs> uh, so, so they're just called glasses. It's my ex exo sweater. Can I get the exo burger with extra exo fries? You have to pay a dollar for extra exo avocado. My exo too. Extra exo is extra. Have you tried the exo sauce? It's excellent. 